Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Have you considered yourself to be spiritually weary? Things or circumstances in life that seem you have you worn down to the point of complete exhaustion. It's no secret the last like two or more years have shifted many of us to experience some type of weariness. And what if you need most today is a fresh, intimate encounter with the living God? So today I want to speak directly directly about biblical hope and speak directly toward many of you and many of us included in this. Walking through sort of these four, kind of four arenas as well, and just these four areas. Hope, I want to speak hope to the weary, hope to the anxious, hope to the defeated, and hope to the empty. And we've all experienced these emotions and feelings at one point or another because we are in a fallen and sinful world, but there is hope, and there is biblical hope. And Christians are not isolated from these types of feelings, and we simply cannot be silent about the stigma about these areas, but we want to talk about it openly and honestly, and then anchor it in biblical godly hope. And if you're a Christian, there is a way and to experience and to know God deeply and to be firmly anchored in the hope of Jesus. And this is a hope that's simply better than being optimistic. This is a hope that's better than hoping that the Bengals win the Super Bowl this year. This is biblical hope. This is a biblical hope. And it looks like this. Biblical hope is to trust in and to wait for and to expect a better future. This is about holding on to the promises of God, holding on to Jesus as Lord, knowing that God is righteous and at the core of who God is, is that God is good and God is trustworthy and God is loving and having this confidence in God. And our foundation is in the character of God, the promises of God and the purposes of God. Jesus has defeated death and victory can be claimed and experienced in our midst. And there is hope for you this morning. And it is true and it is living hope. And the book of Isaiah reminds us of this, that he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who what? Hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow what? Weary, and they will walk and not be faint. And God knows that we can become weary and anxious and defeated. And he knows that about us. Dr. Lenny Lucchetti is an author, and he's a speaker, and he's a professor, and he began to be open and candid. He was a professor, writer, speaker, traveler, all of these things, and he began to write very openly and candidly about his weariness, and he had to say this one time, this one thing, this one time about it, and I want to read this because I appreciate his honesty and transparency, and perhaps many of us are there or have been there at one point or one way or another. This is Dr. Lenny Lucchetti. In his own words, most people would have known me as a seminary professor and a pastor's author in demand and a guest speaker for clergy and church events. But deep down in my soul, where only God could see, I was struggling with spiritual stagnation and spiritual weariness for years. Yet looking, 
really good prayers reading the Bible. Communion with other Christians seemed more appalling than appealing to me like a root canal and a colonoscopy. And he didn't need to say that, but he did say that. And as I was in big trouble, I didn't care what was worse. I didn't care for that first time in my life. I was spiritually weary and weariness was causing a slow drift from the divine relationship with God through Jesus Christ that began at the age of 18. And my heartbeat for him had been thriving and we're loving relationship with Christ for decades. In my early 40s, my spiritual weariness was more about what I, what I didn't want than what I wanted. And I lost an appetite for Scripture. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to be with people, especially happy-go-lucky types of people who know the joy of the Lord. And I didn't want counsel. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to teach or write. And in most days, I just wanted to stay in bed and watch reruns of Law and Order and Criminal Minds and really bad days, Downton Abbey. I almost forgot as a recovering alcoholic my desire for my old pal alcohol was welling up in me and those days was more intense than ever. And I hate to admit it, but more times fantasizing about beer than the goodness of God's grace. I've never been tempted to sleep so much as during my time of spiritual weariness and we must take it seriously. The hardest part was the loneliness. Who could handle my loneliness? Who could handle my junk? Who could handle my struggle? And frankly, I was more interested in keeping my respect as a seminary professor and spiritual leader. But frankly, in the state of spiritual weariness was the hardest thing I'd ever been through. And you might be in that place this morning. And even as we, so as we look at the life of Jesus, he was tempted at the lowest and the deepest place of hunger. And so it's something that we must also take seriously. Yet here is the great truth this morning. Jesus offers an invitation to those who are weary. He says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and what? Burdened and I will give you what? Rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your weariness does not prohibit you from coming to Jesus, and in fact, it's those very people that Jesus invites. Jesus Christ himself does not cringe at people coming to him who are weary. And Jesus Christ does not, it does not preclude you from following him. Gentle and lowly is his very heart. Tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, and willing. This is who he is and those to everybody who come to him. Your weariness qualifies you to come to Jesus. And the Bible records all across the pages of the Bible, like you and I, that people are recorded to having felt anxious and weary and the like. Martha and Job and Jonah and Elijah and King David and Moses and Paul, we are not alone in all of this. And now from the get-go, regarding this, regarding anxiety, I do want to say this, that there is a place for medicine and counselors and doctors and the like. These are good gifts from God, and medicine is not anti-Christian by any means. And I say that that being on the receiving end of some of those means at various times of this. And which also means, as spiritually speaking, as today, as your as pastor, uh, we should also pursue things of the spiritual realm and when faced with this as well. When faced with these things, and we must seek those for our health, the spiritual realm. So there's hope for you today in the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus today. And I just want you to know that God deeply cares about every part and meets us exactly where we are. There is hope today. All of your life matters to God. So if you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, you can go to 1 Kings 19, page 255, the Bible in front of you, if you want to open it there, it's going to be on the screen behind me here in a second. Um, but we at this church, if you don't have a home church, make sure you find a church 
that preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully and uh, it's available at 255 in front of you. I just want to kind of set this up as we go to the story of Elijah. The story of Elijah is a guy in the Bible. God calls to Elijah because God's people, the Israelites, had been wavering between Baal and then there's one true God and then God calls Elijah to call out Baal. And so the people of Israel have been wavering between two gods and there's this dramatic scene where God calls out 450 prophets of Baal and he challenges them and he's like, see if you can call upon your gods, the gods of Baal, and call and come and have fire come down. Nothing works. They try and try and try and they try this and it's embarrassing for them. And Elijah has four jars of water and three times, it's in the middle of a drought season, but it's four jars of water and three times pour down water on the altar and he calls upon the Lord and fire comes down on the altar and the prophets are deceased. It's a dramatic scene. The power of God was working in him and through him during this and around him during this scene. And so in chapter 19, there's this great, yeah, eight, that was 18, in chapter 19, there's this great contrast and it can probably be illustrated a little bit like this. He doesn't want to go on. And that's life. Highs and lows, and that's life. And God, but God meets us there. And God met Elijah there. So let's go there. We're going to draw on some principles. We'll talk, we'll read it, and we'll draw on some principles from this story and then button up with the life of Jesus and with other, uh, with some other passages as well. So 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1, goes like this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like, like one of them. Elijah was what? Afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he's le- he left his servant there. And while his, himself, well, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came into a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Has anyone ever prayed that four-word prayer? I have had enough. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around. And there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the Lord, word of the Lord appeared to him, came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put up your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a what? Gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the, of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. 
I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Okay, so as we go to this, are you in a cave right now? Kind of feeling trapped. This is a lot of events in our world, in COVID. There's a spiritual weariness in our world. And that many of us have never experienced something quite like this before. But there is a bigger God. And He wants to help us experience victory and freedom. And I want to invite you today on something new. And experience true joy and deep lasting peace. And abiding joy and purpose for your life. Here's some truths from this. That God knows what you're going through and loves you. Elijah is very honest about his fears, and yet the Lord hears his cry. God hears your concerns. Elijah prays a very honest prayer here. In fact, it's so brutally honest, he prays that he might die. Has anyone ever prayed those words before? I have had enough, Lord. And yet, God heard him and met him there. And he still meets us in those prayers, honest prayers. Psalm 34, 17 to 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, and he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the what? Brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Another principle here, that spiritual warfare is real. It's a part of actually what chapter 18 is about, and that there's this battle between the one true God and the lesser G, the other gods, and the gods of Baal. And you see, Satan has forever defeated, been defeated by Jesus, but until Jesus comes back, it hasn't been fully eradicated quite yet. And so Satan still attacks. He still attacks and he's still on the move. And there's a real battle going on here. And it's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, finally, be what? Strong in the Lord and in his mighty what? Power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Daily put on the full armor of God. It's so crucial for our walk with the Lord to daily put on the full armor of God. And daily it's a battle. And I mean, even the picture here is of armor. I mean, think about that. The picture of armor and putting this on, it's truly a battle. We must put on the full armor of God against the schemes of the devil on a daily basis. Allow the truths of God, that's another principle, allow the truths of God's word to give you perspective. God speaks to Elijah. And we have the gift of the scriptures and all of those stories and God's faithfulness. And we ought to rehearse the truth about what God says about us and marinate on that and marinate on those things. Allow the truth of the scriptures to, to seep into us. And what, also what God says about peace and hope and joy as well. We also ought to put that in perspective as well, what God says about hope and joy, those things in which the Bible does talk about at length. And we ought to rehearse God's truths about us. In Romans 15, 13, it's a verse that the youth group, we've talked about this, a youth group, and, take, and we've taken this on for this year. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with what? 
Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says to cast all of our anxiety, not just some of it, but all of it because he cares for us. And Christians, we can experience anxiousness. We can experience this too. And the Apostle Paul, out of anybody, probably had more than enough reasons to bite his nails and wonder how it's all going to work out in the end. And he was chained to a Roman soldier of the Roman Empire in prison in Rome for his faith in Jesus. And he had the Emperor Nero who was bearing down on Christians. And yet he experienced arrests and shipwrecks and snake bites and imprisonments and beatings. And I'm fascinated with Paul's letter to the church in Philippians. And many of those Philippians maybe in that church that he's writing to maybe could have been imprisoned as well. And it was the first recorded Christian congregation in Europe, dates to about 50 to 52 AD. And so about 10 years after starting it, Paul's in chains. And then Paul writes to this Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. And then I'm like, what about Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Like, what about when this happens, when that happens? Anything? Can I be anxious? This? And yet, look what he says around these verses in verse in chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And whatever you have learned or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And when I read that around that verse, I also take this away, that we are to take inventory of our thoughts. Even though Paul experienced hardship, he thought about what he had in Jesus. And I know for me, if I were in this situation, I would look through prison bars and wonder, Lord, did I miss something? Like, why, where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And he could have blamed others. Man, he did not deserve to be there. And Paul kept Jesus' focus, allowing the hope of heaven to clarify his purposes. The same guy, Paul writes to the church. He writes to the church in Corinth, and he, another one of his churches he started, and he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For Elijah, in this verse, he says, in verse, it says twice, What are you doing here, Elijah? And while Elijah was in the cave, it's interesting how he responds. He's like, he says, like, I am the only one left. And that was not the case. There were 7,000 left there in verse 18. It says, There's 7,000 left. And sometimes our self talk can be harmful and can thwart us. And we have to take those thoughts captive too. And even that word there used in, in that verse, demolish, that's a forceful word. There's a truly a battle because the devil wants to destroy us and thwart us from right relatedness with the Lord. A word here that those strongholds too can be sin patterns, which why we yield to Jesus and turn from sin on a daily basis. We turn from sin and surrender to Jesus daily. And we also have to have our thoughts rest in the sovereignty of God. 
Control creates calm. The, the more and more we live this life, we are, I recognize that we are limited in control, and yet God is unlimited in His control. He is sovereign. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the psalmist says. And the Apostle Paul rested in God's sovereignty. Elijah trusted in the mission that God had him on too. And God's power was clearly seen throughout what happened and throughout Elijah's life. God is sovereign, and anything less than God that we place security, full security in, is temporal, and it is fleeting in this life. God is everlasting, and He is forever, and He is forever and ever. We rest in the sovereignty of God. Be a part of a community that allows vulnerability. One of the things that we and I've, we've tried to champion is to be a church, to be vulnerable, open to one another because we need one another, and to be in groups because we need one another. And as sometimes it's uncomfortable and community can be uncomfortable, but community is greater than the pain of individualism. And a place where we can wrap around another one on the arm. And when we don't have it all together, when we are anxious, when we are weary, when we are at the end of our rope, and sincerely pray for one another and allow for that and say, I'm worried about this. Can you, can you pray for me? I'm worried about this. This is keeping me up at night. Can you, you, will you like, will you talk to me through this? This is keeping me up. I'm getting tripped up by this. Can, can we, can we go to the Lord together, seek Him in this together? Because none of us, none of us are perfect. But we are created, but we are created for relationships. We're created for community. We are created for each other. And that's how God wired us to be in community. And we're created for that. And so as we land the plane today, might I just say, to let Jesus love you. Let him love you. Say those prayers of the Bible. Read the word. Pray through the word. Let Jesus and his love shower over you and let his heartbeat come in your heart and walk with him. He says this. And the invitation is this from Jesus to us. The invitation And it says this, to come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And Jesus says, I'm stronger. Yoke yourself to me as I walk with you because I am strong. I know when you're weak, he is strong. And we yoke ourselves to him, to Jesus, and yield ourselves to him. Learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.